this morning when I was thinking about, uh, um, and, I, and I mentioned that it might be a little shorter or it could be short, um, I, I always, it was remi- every time I say that in my head, I, the first thing that pops to my mind is a pastor that I knew, Pastor uh, Ken Blue up in Linwood, Washington. He's passed on to glory now. But uh, every single time he would get up there and he says, well, I'm just going to keep you, or he said, I'm going to tell how do you phrase it? He said, I'm going to say what Elizabeth Taylor said to her last husband. I'm only going to keep you for a short while. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I just was like, okay. So every time I, 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 that, it's just one of those things you just, you have that, that, that connection and you just can't get past it. So that was, that kind of popped in my mind this morning and I had to kind of chuckle to myself, but so if you see me uh, ever kind of chuckle in regards to when somebody says they're going to not keep you long, I just kind of, that, that's, that's why, that's why. Uh, this, uh, this afternoon I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel. And, uh, here we have, uh, David, he's, uh, he's, um, giving a, a, a psalm of thanksgiving. There's, uh, you know, there's some victory that's been won. Uh, there's, uh, um, uh, just, uh, some great things that when we think about what, uh, the Lord has been doing in his life, um, and we, uh, see some of the, those victories, uh, David's always good about giving God the glory for it. And, uh, it's one thing that I take away from what, uh, uh, you know, David's life, a study of David's life is, uh, is that, um, he was he was quick to 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 recognize God in everything that he did, uh, the victories, the defeats, uh, even uh, when he did that which is wrong. He quickly recognized the importance of God in his life, and and uh, there's a lot to learn from that. And as you go through chapter 22 of Second Samuel, there's there's a lot that is stuffed in this. There's a lot of things that are from a doctrinal perspective. Uh, really show who God is. And, um, and, uh, I, I, I really appreciate that. But as I, as I go through this, I get down to, to a certain point where, um, you get, uh, into, uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 31. It says, as for God, as for God, his way is perfect. For the word of Lord, the word of the Lord is tried. I mean, those, those two phrases right now, I mean, I could stop and I could preach a whole nother sermon on each one of them. But I want to focus on the last part of it. Verse 31. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. I made reference to that this morning. We, we, we kind of get into this mindset of, of what trust is. Um, and we, we, we often will say that to an individual. We'll say that to somebody that is, is, uh, seeking some counsel from God, uh, is seeking some, some advice, some guidance. And, and sometimes in, in kind of a trite way, uh, somebody might say, well, you just gotta trust God with it. And, and I dare say that if, if the person that received that counsel was to press further, there may be an issue where that person cannot really truly articulate what it means to trust God. 
I mean, we, we, we kind of say it and we think we know what it is. It's kind of like that fear of the Lord. We, 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 we kind of sort of think we know what it is. But, but really, truly, what does it mean to trust God? And, and again, this is, this is something that came up. We were talking about it Friday night at the men's Bible study. And, 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 and trusting God is generally one of the areas where we as Christians fail. We, we, we do. I, I'll be very transparent. You know, I get into a mindset where I think that I can handle it. Like we were talking about with the, you know, the, 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 the Christian warfare this morning. I get kind of into that, well, no, I got this one mentality or, or, or my flesh can do this or, or I, I, uh, you know, become self-willed or, or, or whatever it may be. And I trust and I put too much confidence in my flesh. Well, obviously, I should not put any confidence in my flesh because, you know, Paul made it clear what the flesh is about. So my confidence and my trust always has to be towards God. But but, but truly, if I'm going to sit down and ask myself, what does that mean to trust God? What is it that Paul, or excuse me, not Paul, but what David is saying here about trusting God? Now, now there's several things that we find about trusting the Lord. We find right here, he talks about that it's a buckler. I mean, there's protection that's there. There's protection that's there. We find that there's confidence when we trust him that is in him, not in us. And that confidence is what motivates us to do what we need to do for the Lord. We also find that there's rest when we trust in him. These are all things that we as believers need to understand what, what that is. And I will tell you this, we should be walking through this Christian life with confidence in Christ. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in Christ. I mean, he makes it clear, do not put trust in princes and do not put trust in men. But what we find is we need to put trust in God. So if I'm going to put trust in God, I, I know that I'm going to get this confidence. Well, I want to be confident in this world. I, I don't want to be somebody that is, 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 if you will, fearful all the time of things that may happen to me. I want to have confidence because I have fear of the Lord and I know who my Lord is and what he is capable of doing and what he has done that I can have that confidence. I also want to make sure that if I am a Christian, I want rest. I want peace. I really, truly want that. You know, if, if, if I had to pull, really put my finger on one thing that I actively try to seek in my day-to-day life is, is rest and peace. Because I, I am, you know, from, from the, the habitual things that I've done before, I am a worry wart and a fretter. I will. I will fret that thing till it, it, I mean, you know, you, you know, it's just, you know what fretting is? You take and you, you take something like a little piece of, uh, of, uh, of felt and what do you do? You fret it and then it grows in size. Well, I will take that little piece of felt and by the time it's done, it's like this. Because I will take whatever it is and I will just manifest all these things. But in reality, it's really not that big. Because again, if I squish it all back down, I got this little thing. So I, I, I fret on it. I make it bigger than really what it is. And, 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 I, and I do that. And I try to make sure I'm cognizant of that. And I try to make sure that I don't do those things. 
And I, and I truly have to really want to seek to have that rest and that peace in my life. Therefore, if I want that rest and I want that peace, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to learn how to trust God. So I need to know what it means to trust God. I can't just say, well, I trust God. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? If I'm, you know, in a position where I need to go <laughs> and seek some safety, I need to seek some protection, I'm going to go to a place of refuge. I'm going to go to a place that is going to protect me. You know, that's kind of what happens when you when you start studying some things about, uh, you know, defensive measures that you can take in your life and, and what you do. You want to get to a point of where you don't want to put yourself in a danger area. You want to move back away so that you move to an area of safety and protection. You know, you don't want to expose yourself. You want cover. You want to make sure that, that, that whatever is being launched at you is going to be something that is protected. Or you're in an area that's protected, that, that, that those things won't get to you. So we find very clearly here, here, David is making this statement and he's saying, look, he's a buckler. He's, he, he, if he is, if you will, a large supporting mechanism that protects you. Take a look at a couple other passages. Uh, um, <clears throat> let's go over to um, uh, Nahum, the book of Nahum, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's it toward the back of the Old Testament. There, find Malachi and you start working your way uh, back. You'll find the book of Nahum, and uh, Nahum chapter one. <clears throat> um, Nahum is a very interesting book. Anybody ever done a study on Nahum just by itself? It's kind of weird because, I mean, it starts off with this, the burden of Nineveh. Wait a second. <laughs> Since when did Nineveh show up in the, in the Jewish kingdom? Uh, so there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting things about it. But as you go through all of this, you, you, you find all these things that Nineveh was doing. Uh, but you get down to verse 7, and, and, and this is what I want to focus on in chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. A stronghold. He's a fort. You can go to him. I mean, we, we, we know there's multiple verses that talk about God being our high tower, being our deliverer, our fortress, you know, all of the, our, our refuge specifically. He says here that he's a strong tower in the day of trouble. And it says, And he knoweth them that trust in him. So when we think about this here, as he's talking about God being a stronghold and being good, we understand that it's directly connected because of the next phrase, those that are trusting in him. So if I'm going to trust in him, not only is he going to be a buckler, is he going to be a shield, is he going to be a high tower, is he going to be a, 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 a refuge, is he going to be this strong tower, he is going to be the protection that I need. And we often will put our, 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 our trust in certain things. This is why I always kind of argue that thing about uh, faith and trust. People say, well, faith is, you know, when you sit in a chair. No, it's not. As a guy that I've sat in a chair before and the chair gave way, no, it's not. I don't, I don't put faith in chairs. You know what I do? I go to a chair and I'm like, 
slowly let myself down in there and I'm like, okay, all right, I don't hear anything cracking. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I, but I am placing a bit of a trust in it. And there's a big difference between the two. There's a big difference between faith and trust. And sometimes people like to try to blend them together. But it's not necessarily the case. We know what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You go through the whole chapter there, and you find that faith is connectly, directly connected to the word of God, believing God at his word, and in obedience following through with it. That's what faith is about. So when we come to trust, trust is a bit different. Trust is a bit different. And if you will, turn over to the book of Psalms. So we, we find, obviously, that in Psalm chapter 18, we find that God makes it clear that there is a protection that is about this. And, and, and this is important because as a Christian, when we're going through day-to-day problems, let me ask you this. Where do you go to for your refuge? Where do you go to for your refuge? Everybody has a certain place that they like to go that's a peaceful area for them. Uh, there's people that like to go to, uh, you know, they'll go hike in a certain waterfall or something like that. Or people will go to, say, a, um, you know, to the beach or something like that. And for them, it's a respite. For them, it's, it, it's a kind of, you know, uh, a, a time of rest. But but truly, if we as Christians are to ask ourselves, as we're going through the day-to-day battles that we're even talking about in Sunday school, where do we go to for our refuge? And it has to be the Lord. There is no other refuge that is going to be as good as he is. He is the best of the best when it comes to that refuge that we seek for the protection, for the safety. For, 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 for the, uh, if you will, the provision and to resupply and to uh, re-equip and to, to go back out into the battle. Where is it that we go to for refuge? And David made it very clear that where he goes to for refuge is God. It's God. But here in Psalm chapter 18, <clears throat> I want you to see here in verse 2, he says a couple of things about uh, uh, about this. Um, in, in verse one, I, I love this verse in verse one, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I mean, he is making a vow. He is making a vow. I mean, how many times have we said to God, I will love you. Means it's not about a feeling. Love love has never been about a feeling. Love is, is not something that you, you, that you just kind of spontaneously happen. You know, you see young people and they see each other across the way and, and, and one looks at the other one and goes, Hey, and the other one's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then kind of looks back over there. And then the guy's, the guy's like, yeah, yeah." come over here. Oh yeah. It's not that. Okay. That's not love. You know what that is? That's called attraction. That's, that's, that's a bit different. It's a bit different. You're like, well, that's how it starts. Maybe, maybe. But, but you understand that that's kind of how people view love as. 
You know what? David just defined really what love is. Love is a choice. Love is an act of will. Love is where you go, I will love you. Regardless of what happens in this world, I will love you, Lord. And here in verse 2, he says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength. And look at everything that he's describing God as. And then he says, In whom I will trust, my buckler and horn of my salvation, and my high tower. But right in the middle of it, he says, in whom I will trust. All of these things are centered around trusting God. He makes this declaration where he, he he's very clearly saying, I will trust. So what we find is, just like love, it's not some sort of feeling. It's not just some sort of, if you will, passive uh, thought in our head. What it is, is it is a true choice of action that a person is going to do. You have to purpose to trust God. It's not just going to happen like that. It's not just going to happen like that. You got to make a decision. You got to make a daily decision. You got to make a choice. What are you going to trust in? What are you going to trust in? Take a look at verse, uh, uh, verse 30 of the same chapter. As we go down here a little further, he says, um, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. You know what this is? This is the psalm that he just sang over there in 2 Samuel. Now, interestingly enough, if God repeats this, God wants us to pay attention. When God repeats something, it is just like everyone else. When they repeat it, it's important. So here we find this exact same concept, this exact same thought process going on saying, I am going to make a decision to trust God. He is going to be the one that is going to deliver me. He's the one that I'm going to put everything in because he's going to protect me. He's going to give me what I need. So I have to, by my very core of who I am, make a decision that I'm going to place trust in him. I'm going to place trust in him. Turn over to Psalm chapter 20. Psalm chapter 20. In Psalm chapter 20 and in verse 7, he says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. So right there, verse 7, Psalm chapter 20, he says, you got a choice of some things that you can trust in. Some people are trusting in military might. Some people are trusting in, 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 in the strength of the horse. Some people are trusting in, you know, uh, if you will, the first forms of mechanized combat. They were the technology of the age. He says, some trust in horse, or chariots, some in, in, in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And that's where he begins to trust. You realize that, that, that if there is no name under heaven by which we must be saved, and it says, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, there's something behind that name. And if there is a name that is like that, it is a name in which we would trust. It's a name in which we would trust. 
Um, what was that guy that ran? Oh, yeah, here we go. I'll give you an example. You, you are, you, you fall victim to one of those people that says, Hey, I'll give you a free vacation to such and such if you just come and listen to my seminar. And you're like, No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> But let's say you, you fall victim to that, and you decide, okay, well, I want to go in there, and I want to try to see whatever I can get, whether it's what or what, I don't care. And you go in there, and you listen, and, and this guy, he's hyping up, and he's like, this guy, he's one of the best individuals that is, uh, has ever been out there uh, for um, uh, for finance, and uh, this guy, he knows everything about making money. This guy, he's going to turn you into a millionaire. This guy is going to make sure you're financially successful so that you will be provided for and your children will be provided and your children's children will be provided for. And a lot of times people will go, oh, really? Why? Well, let's face it. Would you rather go to work or would you rather sit at home on your couch? And make money. So everybody becomes a YouTube, you know, an influencer and TikToker and whatever else, right? And they make money that way. Okay. So here we are. This guy comes out and he says, let me introduce you to Bernie Madoff. Anybody know who Bernie Madoff is? (laughs) Bernie Madoff is a criminal. He's a charlatan. He's a trickster. He's a con artist. He's a thief and he's a robber. He stole millions of dollars from people with pyramid schemes and everything else under the sun. That's how he made his millions. He walks out. Are you going to trust anything he says? Especially if he starts talking about tax law. I'd be like, mm Forget that. I'm out of here. (laughs) I'm not listening to him. I'm not going to listen to him. You want somebody that knows what they're talking about. There's a lot that goes on uh, uh, with a name. So when we talk about the name of the Lord, here he's saying, look, you know, there's a bunch of people that trust in everything else but God. But you know what? His name is even trustworthy. I, I can, I, I, I can, I can go to that name and I know that the association with that name is truth, is holiness, is righteousness, is justice, is everything I need in my life. Why? Because I trusted it for salvation. I can trust it for everything else. If I can trust it for salvation, then I can trust it for everything. And we begin to build this idea of really what trust is, and we start thinking about it. So let's move to, 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 to Psalm chapter 37 as we kind of go through this and we begin thinking about it a little bit more. I want us to, 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 to keep in mind of what I said earlier, that trust is not something that is passive. I'll use an example that was recently uh, that I recently went to. Uh, so, you know, I've been struggling with issues with my back. It's just not cooperating. I went to some physical therapy sessions to see what they could do about it and what they were saying about it. And generally everybody looks at me and they go, well, we, we, we don't know why it's doing what it's doing, but we think we can. And I'm like, yeah, you and everyone else. But 
the, the physical therapist was talking about there's two types of physical therapy. There's two types of way that you can treat things. You can do the passive route. The passive route is where you do not a lot. Taking a pain pill would be passive. Getting a therapeutic massage, as good as it may feel, is passive. Soaking in, you know, uh, a, a hot tub, the bubbling jets at a sauna, or you know, something of that nature, passive. Why? Because you're not really doing anything. You're just laying in there like a bowl, like a piece of chicken getting boiled. That's all you are. <laughs> but 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 here's here's where it comes with the active movement, weightlifting, strength training, flexibility training. Moving your body, knowing where the pain limit is, coming to that threshold and backing away, and then coming to the threshold again and going a little bit beyond to continue. That's an active form. Physical therapy is very active in its therapy form. Trust is not something that you just sit back and let happen. Trust is something that you are going to actively do. You have to do it. It's not, as I said, like something that's just going to kind of fall upon you. It's an action. It's an action. And we see here in Psalm chapter 37, take a look here at what he says in verse 5. He says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So here we are finding again about commitment. And as I talked about in Sunday school, you've got to have this commitment. We're going to commit. It's not uh, that I'm going to commit this one thing out of 10 to the Lord. It's I'm committing 100% of it to the Lord. So if you have 10 resources, you don't just commit the one to the Lord. And sometimes people will do that. People will only commit the one thing. They will say, well, it's good enough that I'm as a Christian, I'm saved, I'm saved, praise God. I'm just going to come to church and that will be all I will give to the Lord. That's not enough. That has never been sufficient for Christian living. There's a lot more to it than that. Yes, coming to church is absolutely critically vital to your, to, 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 to your Christian life. Without it, You've got a problem. Why? Because you don't have any fellowship. You don't have any fellowship. You're on your own. And you know what we call somebody that's on their own, that's away from their platoon? A target. That, that's somebody that's there. You shouldn't be where they should be, where they are. And they're now putting themselves in jeopardy. And they're also harming the other people. Why? Because now they're diminishing the force. Now they're diminishing the amount that, that is there as those resources. So it's not just, you know, this little portion. And some people say, well, I'm just going to have God just be a little bit. No, God's got to be all of it. And somebody will come along and they'll say, well, okay, well, I'm going to give 50% of who I am to God. And then 50% I'm living for myself. No. Doesn't work that way. Yes, the 50% is better than the 10%. But it's still not enough. It says, love the Lord thy God with all. 
not some. That means out of those 10, 10 are dedicated to the Lord. 10 are committed to him, and that leaves no opportunity to be committed to any other things such as sin, such as iniquity, such as anything else. Every single thing we do should have the, the, if you will, the brightness and the light of God upon it. Not the shade. You understand what I'm saying? There's a big difference between that. Some people just want the shade of God in their life, just, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a shadow to kind of know that he's there. No, I want the full-on brightness. I want the light of his presence in my life, in the deepest, darkest recesses of my soul, showing me who I am and what I am capable of doing and showing very clearly who he is and what he has already done and what he is capable of doing in my life. That's what I want. That's what every Christian should desire. That requires committing. And here he says, commit thy way unto the Lord. He says, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. We spend the majority of our life, what? Trying to bring something to pass. Don't we? We we, we wake up in the morning, and we purpose we're going to do something during the day, and we want to try to bring it to pass. Well, I'm going to go to work today, and I'm going to accomplish X, Y, and Z. You go to work, and you realize that X, Y, and Z isn't on the menu today. You know what's on the menu today? A, B, and C. And you're like, but I need to do X, Y, and Z. Nope, we're doing A, B, and C today. And you start on A, and you realize you're never going to get through A. So you know what? Never comes to pass, does it? If we're committing ourselves in the wrong ways, we're never going to be able to accomplish anything. However, if we are committing our ways to the Lord with everything that we do, and we're trusting in Him, what God wants us to bring to pass will be brought to pass by him. This is where we have to initiate that trust in him. So we begin to make that daily decision. We begin to make that choice. Whatever path it is, whatever direction we go, we start saying to ourselves, I'm going to make this decision, and it's going to be an active thing. An active thing. I have a quote that I've written down, and it's a quote by this... um, uh, this, uh, this Christian man, he wrote an article, uh, actually it's from his book and his name is, um, uh, Dr. Bridges. And he, he wrote, trust is not a passive state of mind. It's not a passive state of mind. What it is, is that it's an act. It, it's a vigorous action of the soul by which we choose. It's a vigorous action of the soul by which we choose. Now, the question is, what are we going to choose? Now, when we're choosing to trust something, and it is a vigorous action by which we're choosing, the, the, the source of what we are choosing becomes critical. If we're going to trust in chariots and horses, then our trust is going to be misplaced. If we're going to trust in the flesh and in man and in princes, then our trust is going to be misplaced. So when we talk about trusting in the Lord and we realize that it is not some sort of passive state of mind, but it is that vigorous act of us to purpose to do these things, to make this choice, it's what we lay hold on. That's what we lay hold on. So it is a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold 
on the promises and the word of God. We choose to say, I am going to cling to that promise. This is what trust is really about. So when, so, so when, when you have a situation that comes up in your life and all of a sudden you're feeling defeated, you're having a mindset of, of just this, this oppressive depression in your life. You're struggling with thought lives. You think that you're not worth anything. You think nobody loves you and nobody cares for you. You just get this, if you will, this weight upon you where you just are dragging yourself down and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just garbage. Why am I even here? Welcome to a lot of the youth today. And I'm talking about from elementary school all the way up to young adulthood. Why? Because it has exponentially, since uh, the, all of these issues with COVID and everything else that's been going on, it has exponentially increased to a point of where they are now saying that the next, if you will, uh, pandemic is the mental health crisis that is coming. And they said it's horrible. And it's not going to affect the old. It's not going to affect the middle-aged. It's going to affect the young people. And we're going to start losing young people at an alarming rate. This is what medical professionals are saying. And I'll tell you this. When those thoughts creep in, you know what happens? This is what you do. You make an active choice to trust what God said. And if you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, nothing, nothing in this world, nothing in the spiritual world, Nothing in any area, in any part of any existence will ever separate you from the love of God. You know what you do with that promise? You actively cling to it. You make a choice to believe that than to believe what you're telling yourself. Or what other people are telling themselves. You know, we see all this stuff with online bullying and all that garbage that's going on. Look, you know, sorry. Those people, yeah, they need to stop it. But here's how you deal with it. The first thing you do is you go to the refuge of God. You go to the stronghold of God. And you say, I care more about what God says about me than what anyone else says about me. You know what you're doing? You're actively choosing to lay hold on the promises of God. And what he sees you as, is he sees you as a saint. Now, obviously, we should not have any sin in our life and it needs to be removed immediately. Sin should not be part of a Christian's life. If we say we love the Lord, sin must be absent. Scripture after Scripture tells us that. But what we find is we find that the the Lord is clearly saying here, look, you want these things to come to pass? You want this stuff to to occur in your life? Then you're going to have to trust me. 
That means you've got to know what the Word of God says. And I'll be very clear with this. You cannot trust God if you don't know what He said. You cannot trust God if you don't know what He promised would happen. How in the world are you going to lay hold on any promises if you don't know what God said? This is why it becomes critically important. This is why every pastor, evangelist, missionary, Sunday school teacher, junior church teacher, youth worker, everyone that that, that has a relationship with God where it's supposed to be will say, you must have a connection through the word of God. You must know what it says. Don't assume, but know. And there's a difference. Turn over Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. As we kind of get a little bit more definition of what this trust is like in Psalm chapter 91. says here in verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. You know what this psalmist is saying here very clearly about this trust? It's what he says about God. It's what he says about God. So here's the important part. What you choose in your heart to cling to, to lay hold upon, should be the same thing that comes out of your mouth. He says, I will say of the Lord. What does he say? He is my refuge. He's my fortress. In him will I trust. This is how his speech pattern is. It's not, oh no, the sky is falling. It's, oh no, what am I going to do? It's, oh no, insert whatever thing you're trusting in. It's not that. It's, oh, oh, oh no, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll just throw money at it. Well, a lot of us don't have money to throw at it. So, so what do we throw at it? Worry? Fret? care, all those things we throw at it. Our self. But what trusting comes down to is when something happens in our life, what do we say? I'm going to say of God, I trust in Him. I'm not going to trust in anything else. Nothing else is proven, has a proven track record save God. Really, do we honestly, do we have to have that conversation in this day and age that money is really truly where it's at? When gasoline is nationally at $5 a gallon, inflation is spiraling out of control, and they're saying that that there's going to be a massive recession coming up here, and if we don't have a massive recession, then we are going to end in a complete financial collapse. You're like, well, thank you for that. I don't trust in the dollar bill. You know what I trust in? My Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He saved my soul. He cares for the flowers in the field and the sparrows in the air. And he says, I'm more valuable than those are. So, very clearly we begin to see this process being built up. That, again, it's not a passive state of mind. It's a vigorous act of the soul by which we lay hold on the promises of God. And here's the important part. And cling to them. Despite the adversity that at times will seem to overwhelm us. We cling to them despite that quote-unquote feeling of being in over our head, underwater, or being smothered by our problems. You know what trust in God is? Trust in God says, you know what? Mind, we're not going to do that today. Today, mind, we're going to focus on what God has told me He's going to give We're going to focus on what the Lord has done for me already. We're going to focus on why I can trust Him and why He 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 is somebody I can believe. Why His promises hold true. Why He is not a man that He should lie. I mean, all of these things that we want to lay hold on, we have to cling to them despite what's going on around us. That's trust. Oh, it's easy to say I trust in God when everything is fine. When there's money in the bank account, there's gas in the car, and um, you know there's food on the table, and there's a roof over your head, and everything is fine, right? That's easy to say it then, but that's not real trust. Real trust comes when everything is exploding around you. And you look around and you go, oh... This isn't good. (laughs) And you then go, I will say of my God, in him I will trust. That's what real trust is. It's not just a good time feeling. It's not something that we just casually say when somebody is going through the most miserable part of their life and just kind of casually throw it out there. You know what? Give them a promise that they can trust in. Talk, sit down and talk about the scripture with somebody. Encourage them that way. Comfort them through the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit do his work that he does best. There is no greater comforter than the comforter. Then why in the world would we want anything else? This is about trusting him. Turn over to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. I referenced this this morning, Psalm 115. In Psalm chapter 115 in verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Both of them are connected. This morning I taught on how to, how to fear God, what fearing God is. And now I'm talking about trusting in the Lord. And the reason why I wanted to mention this, this for this afternoon service is because they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. 
Why? Because the more you know about God, the more you fear who He is, understanding and being aware. And at the same time, you know what else happens? It builds that trust in Him. I tell you, I read through and I see all those things that God does. Don't read it like a history book. Don't read it like a novel. Don't read it like it was yesteryear. Read it like it's right now. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's unchanging. If our God hasn't changed, that means I can still trust Him. If David can trust Him when his life was being sought, I can trust Him. If if if, if I can see Job trusting in the Lord when his world fell apart, I can trust in God. If I can see the, 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 the examples of prophets and men of God and women of God that put their faith in, in, in God's word and did what God told them to do and then in turn around and say that they will trust and they will cling to the promises of what God said will be and what the consequences are and all that he is like Esther when she just turned it over and said I'm going to do what I need to do and the Lord blessed it in such a great and mighty way I can do the same I can do the same. But here's, here's the caveat. Trust is built. Trust is brought about. And trust is lost. All based on what we do with this. What we do with the Word of God. If I don't read it, I will not have trust. If I read it, and I stop reading it, I will lose trust in him. But if I read it, and I continually fill myself with it, and I continue to study it, and I continue to meditate on it, and think about it, and incorporate it in every single way of my life on a day-to-day basis, my trust in my Lord and my Savior will grow exponentially. Because when the bad stuff happens, I will have him as always to turn to good bad or otherwise i can always trust in my lord let's close with a word of prayer dear heavenly father i thank you again for this time i thank you again lord for a good day that we've had in you lord i thank you again for just an opportunity lord to just look a little bit on trust to understand what it is to understand what it's not and Lord, I just pray that as we seek to, to please you, that Lord, we would make that vigorous act in our life, that we would choose to cling to those promises, regardless of what happens in this world. What you've told us, what you've given us, what we have from you. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us today. And Lord, I pray for all of those that are going through some difficult times this day. And Lord, we, we definitely do lift up um, the Hatfields uh, in regards to that with some of the struggles that are happening. But Lord, we just again thank you for all that you've done for us. 
Thank you again for your mercy, your grace, above all your salvation in your word. Lord, may we always be in your word to grow in trusting you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.